Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Belanger. Today, you have to go to highbuttonsports.ca today and pick up one of these High Button Sports slash champion quarter zips. I'm telling you, folks, they will keep you warm this winter. It has that high collar, so when that Atlantic Canada wind hits you in the middle of the winter, that high collar is going to be there for you to protect your neck so you don't get chills. All I'm doing is trying to look out for you. That's all I'm trying to do, okay? Head on over to the website right now highbuttonsports.ca pick yourself up some merch we also have long sleeve t-shirts we have toques or hats whatever you want to call them uh we have everything that you need in order to look good and stay warm this winter here in atlanta canada and we all know that's tough to do so we have you covered and you got to think about it too these are some classic pieces coming from high button sports we're just starting to get into the merch game and these are our, our first couple little bits of clothing so for you to say you know 10 years from now oh i have a high button sports sweater from 10 years ago you know, not a lot of people are going to be able to say that. So it would be a cool piece of history with High Button Sports if you had a, a little piece in your closet there. So remember, head on over to highbuttonsports.ca, pick yourself up a quarter zip, stay warm, pick yourself up a toque, a long sleeve, whatever you need to, to get into your closet to add to your wardrobe. All right, thank you. Today on the High Button Podcast, we have Ken McCormick. When you think of the game of hockey, you think, oh, it runs so smoothly, but it it runs smoothly because of guys like Ken. Ken sent me his resume about what he's done behind the scenes of the sport of hockey here in Atlantic Canada and around the world, really. Uh, let, let, let me just let, let me talk for a second. Coaching staff. This is just him coaching, okay? He's coached Sackville Blazers, Lockview High School, Dartmouth Whalers, uh, and he's also coached with the Hockey Nova Scotia High Performance Program in 2006 all the way to 2009. Um, he worked at the U Cup as an equipment manager with the Golden Bears in 2015, 16, 17, 18, and what the hell, 2019. Uh, And they actually won two national championships with the Golden Bears. Pretty crazy. 2008, he uh, worked at the IIHF World Championships. So, you know, that's that's the World Championship. That's that's the best players in the world. Uh, He also worked at the World Junior A Challenge uh, in 2013, also, 2012, skipped a year, 2012, 2013. I put it in order there for you. Uh, he worked with Team USA. Uh, also, he worked at the 2010 Vancouver Olympics for a month. Vancouver Olympics. That's when Crosby got the game winner. Tournament winner. Think about that. That's history. Uh, he also worked at the 2013 CHL Top Prospects game with Team Cherry. He was also working at the Leafs camp in 2015 and 2016. I know one of those years they were in Halifax. Hopefully get some cool stories out of Ken from when they were here. Uh, And then he was also the VP of Logistics at the 2019 Memorial Cup. So that's a lot of work. That's a lot of behind the scenes. Uh, That's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. And Ken is just one of those guys uh, that will do anything for the sport of hockey and that essentially is in love with the game, you could say. Uh, I'm excited to have Ken on the podcast I'm Justin. We're talking to Ken McCormick. This is the High Button Podcast. Here we go. You know what comes next. Boom, Ken, we're going. How are you? Good, Justin. How are you? Good. You got to be a little bit closer to the mic there for me. All right. There you go. Good. I love the quarter zip. Well, so here's my thought process. You you bring me some some moosehead beer here. You got a quarter zip on. I might have to get you to change after because we got to give you another quarter zip, a high button sports one. It's only right. (laughs) But it's a good looking, uh, what it was, Alberta Bears? Alberta? Yeah, Alberta Golden Bears. Well, when I was looking at your resume and I was seeing that you were working with them when they won, how many national championships? 
Well, uh, I was fortunate enough, me and my good buddy Bill Meyer were fortunate enough to be with him for five years. Wow. Uh, so uh, two national championships and one silver uh, and two uh, bounce in the first game of the nationals. So uh, that's, a, that's a story for itself. That's awesome. Yeah. National championships. Like what you do, what I essentially was doing the intro, I was talking about the game of hockey and how smoothly it runs. And when you see it on TV, when you see it in person, it's a, it's a, it just seems very well organized. But then there's people behind the scenes that make sure that it runs smoothly and don't get enough recognition in my mind and from what bill told me you're you're one of these people um i guess i'll i'll start the podcast by asking how did you get involved with the with the game of hockey some people it's it's their parents some people it's a cousin uh, how was the game introduced to you you know from uh from the the age of novice through adam yeah. there was no doubt in my mind i was going to play in the nhl i would beg my dad to stay up <laughs> to watch a third period of uh, hockey night in canada every saturday night uh first year peewee uh trying out for peewee okay. um in dartmouth uh I was the first cut and I'm thinking, well, my name's McCormick. That's like halfway through the alphabet. How did they single me out? So then I looked around and I thought, well, if all these kids here are better than me and Cole Harbor has an organization and Bedford has an organization, I got to find another way to stay in hockey because it's certainly not going to be as a player. Yeah. So uh, from there, I, I still continued to play my house league hockey all through, all the way through and loved it. Yeah. Uh, got into refing, which uh, I thought I was going to make it the NHL as a ref. And uh, I did all my courses and was really dialed in and really, really enjoyed it. And then I forgot to grow. So, you know, that would have been in the era that uh, the fourth line guys were, were all the fighters and six foot and they don't need a five foot seven guy out there trying to break up fights. So uh, then I just uh, thought hockey would be a passion. Uh, I would just try to stay in the game involved any way I could and um, still skate in my gentleman's league. But, uh, you know, uh, up and down the ice, I can make my turns okay. Just don't put the puck on my stick, and, and I'm fine. <laughs> so the, the the love of hockey must have came from, I guess, different aspects rather than than playing it. Because if you're still involved with it, and like I said, when I was looking at your resume and the things that you've done, you know, a certain love from hockey can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be on the ice. Myself, I love the game, and I rarely play, but I talk to people that play it. You know, it's a it's a certain love that people can have for it. I didn't ask you this, but where did you think like the, the the love for it came because there's a difference between playing it enjoying it having a couple beers with your buddy to like you said when you first got here not sleeping and, and making sure that everything is set behind the scenes and and that, uh, that doesn't take just passion that takes that it, takes a lot more yeah it would go, it would go back it was definitely for my father so yeah. um i grew up when the nova scotia voyagers were were skating both the telfax form and then Scotiabank slash Metro Center. Yeah. Um, and I'd always drag my dad and we'd get tickets. I'd drag him there as early as possible. And, you know, you had free range back then. So for the warm ups, I would sit in the front row and I would just look at the way the guys warmed up. I'd look at the different gear they had. Like it was just, um, yeah. it, it was just more than a game to me. Yeah. Um, so certainly with my dad uh, taking me to a lot of uh, HL games. And then, of course, you know, again, watching uh, watching hockey with my dad, Hockey Night in Canada, like that was. Saturday night, you knew where I was, yeah. and still really to this day. Did your dad play? He, like me, he he enjoyed his beer league stuff, and uh, uh, I think I think I probably outpaced his passion for the game. Okay, but uh, like he's uh, he's eighty four, sorry, eighty five years young, and uh, he's still uh, he's loving the new NHL being on now with one hundred and fifty six. Uh, uh, days of consecutive games so he's he's, he's watching it so, that's yeah. awesome yeah. um when you come down when you were talking about the gear there a second ago and it's much more than a game to you when you when you notice the little things the details about the game i know exactly what you're talking about when it when it comes to that when i was younger especially i remember the first world juniors that i ever really played attention to i think was in halifax and that synergy stick came out. Remember that first yeah. synergy and that silver and that yellow logo? That was the Louisville TPS. Yeah, well, that as well. But it, there was also a synergy. Yeah. 
but those two came out at the exact same time that yellow TPS Matt Sundin threw it in stands. <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean about the little details within the game that somehow catch you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool uh, it's a cool little I guess it's marketing, but it works. Yeah. Um I want to talk about uh I guess essentially the the start of your behind the scenes experience. I know you brought up the Sackville Blazers at the beginning in 1994. Seven. Seven. Yeah. Talk about that experience. Uh, so I'm going to backtrack for one sec. Not, Go for not it. A, not a plug for my work, but uh, I work in the beverage industry. I work for Moosehead Breweries. Yeah. And when I first started, we were heavily involved in community events. And I knew right out of the gate that I wanted to be involved with the Junior B team. So my first year I was doing the Chester area and I met with the Chester guys and, and the fit just wasn't really right. Um, nothing against them. But um, the next year, my territory switched, and I came into the city. And I got to meet uh, Dwight Dempster, uh, who's still with the team, Mark LaPreece, who's still with the team, and Andy Conrad. And uh, just hit it off instantaneously. I didn't know those guys from before. And um, I started sponsoring the team and, and almost just became a, a hanger-on. So I'd go to the games, uh, kind of mill around the dressing room, talk to those guys. Not so much, not a lot of interaction with the players. Um, and then that went from that to... Uh, I joined the board to help them raise money and yeah. it went from that to, uh, one training camp. Uh, Andy goes, look, we need someone on the bench. Can you just run, you know, the, which training camp running the bench, you're just making sure someone's not staying out there too long and stuff. Yeah. So but you're, then, you're a, you're a sponsor at this point. You're I'm not, you're just sponsor slash on the board. Then just kind of migrated in. Okay, okay, okay. And then, uh, and then they said, look, we need some help. Uh, can you research some goalie drills? And, yeah. And, you know, the internet was a little different back then. Everything wasn't at your fingertips. So uh, just uh, just migrated on the way uh, from from that to assistant coach, assistant GM. And, uh, and again, Dwight Dempster, if you don't know him, he's been with the Blazers for, for forever. He's still there now. Wow. But he, uh, he would have get, uh, uh, given him a baptism into GMing. So he went... And keep in mind, this is when you had to call, kids didn't have cell phones. He gave me every single player who played major midget that year in Nova Scotia. Yeah. So Valley, so sure. I called every single one of them. I At this point in time, I, I never watched a major midget game for scouting purposes or anything like that. But I called every single kid. And as you know, you've got the kids that are going to get drafted first round of the queue. And you got the kids that are probably fourth line that are there because their dad could write a big check or whatever. So yep. I'd call and yep. the parents would be like, oh, you got to talk to his agent. I'm like, talk to his agent? This is Jerry B. <laughs> or, or it would be like, oh my God, uh, when's the tryouts? I'm going to be there. And I'm, I'm calling them like uh, in the in the spring saying like, we're going to have tryouts in October, yeah. September, whatever it was. Uh, would you come out? But, you know, the guy that wanted to go right away never made the team. Yeah. And then, of course, I'll never forget, you got to talk to his agent. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Dwight, you like, do you know how long it takes to call 30 kids off eight teams? Yeah. In the springtime, yeah. In the spring, I was on the phone every single night talking to their parents, and anyway, so, uh, so I always, I always appreciate. So, so anyway, uh, Dwight and Andy and Eli, Eli's Mark Laprice, uh, would feed me, you know, little bits of hockey knowledge here and there, and 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 I just picked up what they did and ran with it, and that's how I learned how to move a team. How what do you mean, move a team? Uh, you're you're playing in Cape Breton tonight. Uh, you got to stop in Truro for oh, like for, a road trip. Yeah, sorry. Okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah. You're stopping in Truro for the uh, for the uh, Pizza Delight uh, buffet. Yeah. You know, um, you're at the hotel at this point in time, and and that's where I learned like every single team I've been involved with, you could have a ghost roster. So uh, you're familiar with the ghost roster where you know your first lines, your your offensive line, second line maybe your penalty kill, fourth lines maybe your your energy line. The ghost roster I use is every team has a class clown. Every team has an MVP. 
every team has the guy that wants it more than somebody else but doesn't have the ability mm. you know so um you know every team i've dealt with someone loses a wallet someone loses a jacket someone you know i'm i'm kind of behind the scenes taking care of them yeah yeah. Well, if you're in the game since 1994, I'm sure you learn things. Or 1997, sorry. I'm sure you learn things that yeah. aren't the regular norm. Yeah. You know, you go through a road trip. I'm sure almost every scenario has happened to you. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But it's it's all fun. And, and, and anytime I can go to the rink with a purpose or talk hockey, I'm very happy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it could be the smallest job, you know. It's my turn to do the coffee run. I don't care. Like, yeah. I just like to be involved. Um, and you know, all those little things that I think have gotten you to, you know, where you've been. One thing on your, uh, email that you sent me was, uh, the world juniors or the world championship. Sorry. Yeah. Um, where was that when you were there? Uh, 2008 in Halifax. Wow. So, um, I was like Patty Kane was there that year. Team USA. Yeah. Uh, everybody was stacked except for Lafia. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was funny. I, I, I did some work with hockey Nova Scotia too, uh, just do some coaching and stuff, but, uh, that's, I applied and, and I, luckily I got my name pulled. Like I, I really just wanted to work in team services somehow. Yeah. So I found out I was going to be a team host and I was really excited. So obviously right away, visions of Team Canada, Team USA, all kind of stuff. And then we sat down at the meeting and it's like, here you go, you're Latvia. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know anything about Latvia. I don't know if they speak English. I don't know anything, but I'm going to research the, the heck out of this yeah. and, and be prepared. And um, it was it was the best for me because, you know, Team Canada rolled in and they had staff upon staff upon staff. They, they didn't need anything. Yeah. Uh, Latvia rolled in with uh, a hacksaw, a skate sharpener, and, and honest to God, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak badly, poorly of them because I love them, but I wouldn't take a novice team from Dartmouth to Sackville with the planning they had. Like, they just came in, and, and the players are incredibly professional. Um, uh, I'm sure some of them are going to see this because they're all friends of mine on Facebook, but they're incredibly <laughs> professional, and, you know, they played in the NHL, KHL, and, you know, their pros. Their management, like their, their president, wasn't. Um, and that allowed me, like I sat in on IHF meetings, I sat in on IOC meetings, like I punched way above my weight, um, just because team Canada would have had five different guys for that. And wow. Latvia just had me. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was neat. And, um, you know, the one thing I'll say about, uh, like most of my resume is, is short term events. Yeah. So a short term event has all the pressure of a season just compressed so you know if if a guy gets injured in an 82 game season and misses three games life goes on mm. you know if you got a three game that's going to determine your fate and someone gets injured or someone gets suspended or someone gets sick or someone's not happy so as at my role is basically to eliminate all off ice distractions so yeah. they can perform at their best and that's the coach that's the training staff and that's the players so anything they need done uh so they can just focus at the task at hand is kind of where i fit in in these different events where do you learn these skill sets from? Just years and years and years of practice and, and making sure that your team is distraction free? No. Well, I mean, there's well, there's no such thing uh, as distraction yeah. free. Um, with the Blazers, again, you know, Dwight and Andy and, and Mark taught me everything. Uh, I've seen everything through them. And then, uh, you know, I did a little bit of coaching myself. Like I was involved in the uh, high performance program and uh, went to a challenge cup, uh, you know, on the bench with Dons and... Um, and Gerard Shaw, president of the uh, Cape yeah. Breton Screaming yeah, Eagles. Yeah. So I, I, now I was, again, I was over my head coaching there. Mm. Um, I was I was pretty lucky. Um, I was coaching high school at the time. The late Tom McKetton was the head coach of my team, good buddy of mine. He passed cancer a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Um, 
but he was also the director of operations. And I wasn't supposed to be on the, the coaching staff. I, I did all the evaluation camps, summer camps, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But uh, Aaron Rice, who's coaching Cape Breton Tradesman, he was supposed to be the, the other coach. Okay. Uh, Hockey can't, he's a rock star. Hockey can't have sent him off to some sort of, uh, uh, I, and my memory's horrible, but they sent him off to some sort of um, clinic in Sweden or something. So okay. he couldn't make it. So I probably wasn't next in line. There's probably a couple other guys that are mm. more more ready for it than me but tom put me in and because you know we're buddies and i just remember being on the bench and any anything i coach i could tell you if anybody on my team whether it's adam Wee, midget i could tell you if they had a great game i couldn't tell you if somebody on the other team scored a hat trick against us like i just i don't focus really? on the other team i just so that's i know i'm missing a skill i know i'm not at that level yeah. but sitting on the bench with donnelly you know don's is like 12 12 12 and i'm looking down the bench I'm like we don't we don't have a twelve, and he's like, no, 12's coming up next shift for oh <laughs> for New New Brunswick. Watch twelve, yeah. Like and and you know that's when I realized like holy smokes, like I'm another level. Yeah, there's <laughs> another level to go. I, I'm a cut or two below. So you know I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed coaching hockey. So that's a long answer to say how did I know these situations? Like you know I coached in you know whether it's a Bantam Double A provincials or, or whatever. You know I coached in many high pressure situations. So I kind of see the pitfalls that come up. Mm. There's always the guy that, you know, in minor hockey, forgets his shin pad or, or, you know, again, you're jumping on a charter flight, forgets his passport. Like whatever the example is, you know, you just have to be prepared and yeah. ready to roll and go with your checklists. And um, when I do these events, my rule is always I'm the first guy on deck and the last guy to leave. So, mm. you know, drive anybody to the rink at five in the morning and shut the lights off at three in the morning and yeah. wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> That's crazy. No, that was a long answer. I'm sorry. No, no, that's great. I'm, I'm just trying to think of a rebuttal to it. <laughs> there is one thing asked, but like when you, when I think of your character and I think of your role inside a hockey dressing room, for some reason the first thing that comes to my mind is um like hockey cuts because I know you work training camps, and you know hockey cuts are never a fun thing. There's that awkwardness in the dressing room when a guy's getting his stall unpacked, and sometimes you might have to be the guy to do it. I'm assuming. What's your what's your experience with with you know letting a guy know, hey, coach wants to see you. Uh, well, the funny thing was, again, with the Blazers, those guys kind of set me up for a lot. Uh, for the for the longest time, I had to cut anybody who's on the bubble. Now, when it's we had fun. our no, it isn't. When we had our veteran guys coming back. That you know, yeah. Andy, the head coach, would always cut them. Andy's trick, and if Andy's watching this, he's probably mad at me. But uh, <laughs> Andy has horrible eyesight, so yeah. when he had to cut a guy that was with the team for three years in an overager situation, he'd bring him into the office and he'd take his glasses off because he couldn't see him. <laughs> So he'd just say, it had to go another way. <laughs> but uh, traditionally, the guys, they made me cut. I was kind of the cattle call cut. Like, you yeah. know, we'd have 10 or 12 bodies out that we didn't think would make it. And I'd yeah. have to, and I'd just be honest. It's like, I, I, my whole hockey career started with me being cut. Like, I know it hurts. It stings. It's, yeah. it's not fun. Um, but you just let them know. You rip that Band-Aid off quick. And in the, um, in the Olympics, it was really sad. So uh, they brought their team over from Latvia, but they had three guys uh, playing in North America, two in the NHL, one in the AHL. So they brought an extra body over just in case, because, you know, the Latvia, uh, the team landed four or five days before the NHL wrapped up. In Vancouver? In Vancouver, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the other, you know, the, the North American pros parachuted in like just last minute, but just in case they got injured or whatever, they brought an extra guy. Okay. And uh, for whatever reason, I didn't, he didn't play in Halifax, so I didn't know him from Halifax, but I, he, whatever, we just started talking. I don't know. I, I really got along with him, but he got cut. Who's he? You know, I, 
<laughs> I'd have to go on Facebook to look up his name, but he played in the KHL okay. and he played pro hockey in Latvia and all that kind of stuff. But he, uh, he got cut uh, the day before as the NHL guys and the AHL guys are putting their gear in their stalls and he had to get his shit out right away. And, yeah. Uh, so he just comes to me and goes, look, I got to get out of here. Can you round up my gear and go? Which is no problem because uh, the Athletes Village versus uh, GM place, Hockey Canada 1, I think it was called then, uh, 15 minutes away. So I wrapped it up, but the bus left without me. So I had to lug this stuff all back through Athletes <laughs> oh, Village. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, I felt bad for him. We had to drive him to the airport the next morning, and you know, yeah. it's just you—you you got a roster, you got a number. But that was—that was the worst cut I was ever involved in. Obviously, I didn't deliver the message. Yeah. But I. But I you're was... the guy who gives the sense. You're the guy who like. Pe- Oddly enough, whenever I got cut from a hockey team, I'd look at the trainer before I looked at the coach because the trainer will eyeball you, <laughs> and you just know it's a weird feeling. <laughs> Can I get a new stick? I don't think you're going to be around exactly. to use that new stick. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a the trainer has all the information. Yeah. We we had Alex Ryan on here the other trainer for the mooseheads and like he was saying the same thing how like sometimes scouts will go to trainers rather than gms or coaches because the trainers know the team better than most people yeah. the players and the individual yeah. and it's 100 true you're around them more than anyone yeah absolutely it's a thing i want to talk about the olympics the you know just what an olympics to be a part of first of all vancouver 2010 crosby gets the winner talk about that experience how did you fall into that opportunity and uh, what did you learn from it um, absolutely amazing time, thrill of a lifetime. Uh, and I'd have to go back to the 2008, uh, world championship. So okay. I'm working with Latvia there and, uh, you know, I, I stay in the hotel with them for three weeks. So, and, and I loved it cause Halifax is my town, you know, being in the beer industry, I know all the restaurants also. Anyway, um, so I'm having a beer with Maris, the general manager. And, um, he goes, you know what, you're all the events I've been to, cause he, he coached and GM and like he's involved in all kinds of world championships and world juniors and stuff. He goes, you're absolutely the best host we've ever had. And I said, wow, you know, thank you very much. That means a lot to me. And as the night progressed and we got into some vodkas, I said, tell you what, if you guys qualify for Vancouver, you got to take me. So out came the cocktail napkin and we signed a contract <laughs> right on the spot. That if they qualify, and it was close, they almost didn't qualify. But if no. they qualify, I'd go to the Olympics. Where's the napkin right now? Do you still have it? Yeah, it's a, it's um yeah I got a it's with some old hockey programs from the Unreal. Blazers and stuff. Do you yeah. know what bar it was at? It was it was at the hotel room. Oh, it was at the hotel room? Okay, okay. Yeah, so this was this was allegedly. Now again, I want to I want to point this out. The players were incredibly professional and focused on the task at hand. They would have went to the casino, nice dinner, but they weren't out drinking. Yeah, yeah. But the staff, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah, yeah, and every yeah. team I've been involved with, the staff, so yeah. they're drinking. So this was allegedly a night off from drinking downtown. Like we're staying at the uh, uh, Delta Barrington, so yeah. we're right on Argyle yeah. Street almost. But this is a night where we we're just going to have a beer, watch the NHL playoffs. We're on. Maris and I are just kicking back in the hotel room, and anyway. Two beer led to vodka, led to the napkin, and so that's that's how I got to the Olympics. Um, so again, um, not good management, good luck, and uh, that's kind of the story of all my hockey. That's awesome. Yeah. So when they did uh, ended up qualifying, who called who first? Did you call them, or did they call you first? <laughs> this is gonna sound negative, but they're not the most organized. So you I just was, met them there. Yeah, <laughs> you showed well, up. <laughs> no, no, I, I was doing all my stuff through the Olympic Committee. Okay. And I'm saying like, look, like if Lafayette qualifies, and I filled out all my paperwork and did all the background checks and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and um, yeah, so my, you know, I 
was in Vancouver three or four days prior to them. Yeah. And they were there five days before the competition started. So, you know, I met them, got them their credentials and walked them through. Is it hectic as hell underneath the stadium? Like, well, how many? Because I remember looking at some of the behind the scenes stuff with the NHL bubble and you got like, you know, eight teams in one rink and it looked hectic. What, what was it like underneath in yeah. Rogers Arena? Rogers, yeah. Yeah. Amazing question. So, uh, and I got two stories with this, but the first story is uh, because I had to host house so many teams, they built temporary dressing rooms. So, um, uh, if you're familiar with the rink, when you look at it from the front, almost where the gift shop is, they, they built a makeshift dressing room, uh, dressing room, training facilities, you know, showers, all this kind of stuff, but it was based out of, made out of plywood. It, Inside the rink or outside the outside. rink? Outside. Really? It took 18 minutes to walk from our dressing room. Again, you're the 12th seed, so you got the farthest walk. Our dressing room to the ice surface. So, you think about in between periods, what are you going to do? So, they... They, um, so, uh, Team Canada had Vancouver's room. So they're right there. They're right there. Uh, I believe Russia was ranked second. They had the NHL visiting room, but then there were two workout rooms that were, uh, allotted to the NHL teams. They took those over. So when you played, like we didn't go back to our dressing room in between periods. We went like just adjacent to the Vancouver Canucks room. And that was our in between periods. That is crazy. Um, that and, is insane. Yeah. So, Eighteen minute walk, yeah, and the, yeah, one hundred percent. That's pointless. You just grab a couple chairs in the hallway. So uh, the other funny part of that story is Super Sunday, and Super Sunday was the day that uh, Canada played the U.S. Uh, Finns played Sweden, Russia played Czech. Uh, I got to see all three games. It was a uh, just mind blowing. But um, in between, I'd, I'd go back to the Latvian room, like grab a snack, just hang out in the dressing yeah. room. Some Break of the a guys sweat. were there, <laughs> but uh, uh, Brian Burke was sitting next to me, so um, he was working with Hockey USA. And so there, we didn't have tickets, but your lanyard got you to sit in a certain section. Okay. So I sat down, sat next to Brian Burke. And um, anyway, I wasn't following him. He wasn't following me, but uh, he was leaving after one of the games. I was going back to the Laffey room to grab a Gatorade or whatever. And he was lost. And he was GM at that place. But it's because where he used to know how to leave were all these dressing rooms. Oh, so I yeah. had to give him directions on how to get out of there. Because he was the GM of Vancouver at the time? No, a couple of the years te- before. Okay, okay. But he was working with Hockey USA. Yes, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting he's American. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so anyway, it was, it, you know, if you were familiar, and, and that goes for Vancouver itself. If you were familiar with Vancouver, like to get around, like I had a vehicle, and uh, you'd throw something in the GPS, like I, my, my sister-in-law lives in Vancouver, I'm out there yeah. a little bit, I know, I know it this much. I lived there for a couple years. Be- beautiful yeah. spot, Could, beautiful. can't say enough great things about it, but... Yeah. You throw something in your GPS, and all of a sudden, it's all security. That's a one-way street now. You can't go down there. Like GPS was useless. Yeah. Like you really had to have some, some street knowledge, and uh, that that provided a couple challenges for me. Definitely. But yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like you're probably just in the rink the whole time. You know what I mean? It's like so. Whenever you do leave, it's like yeah, it happens, but you don't see the city as much. Well, I'm sure if you were out and about a lot, you'd get to know the city a little bit. But I'm sure you're trapped in the rink. Uh, not. I mean, I was there for almost a month. Right. They month. played three games. So. Uh, practiced every day, but there was there was a lot of downtime. They only played three games, uh, maybe four, uh, three or four. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. They, they finished last, so yeah. <laughs> still got in there though. Any other famous bumps in bump ins underneath the the tunnel? You ever run uh, into anyone? Uh, so in in Athletes Village, um, I really wanted to meet Crosby, but I wasn't going to be that guy because in Athletes Village, like um, you know, y- you didn't want to be the fanboy. Yeah. 
But um, I'd go every day in the nice lunch cafe and meet my guys and whatever we were up to. Like, like if they weren't on the ice, they were shopping. So I'd have to take my guys shopping and stuff. But I'd meet my team and all kind of stuff. But I'd always see, like, Crosby and Gets Laugh, and they'd always walk in packs. And, uh, again, I worked a little bit with Hockey Nova Scotia, so I had this Hockey Nova Scotia jacket on. And I didn't want to approach Crosby, but I just kept on trying to show the colors. Like, I really, <laughs> really wanted to strike up a conversation because yeah. – you know, not that I was there as an athlete, but there were very few Nova Scotians there. Was there? So yeah. I thought, you know, maybe we could, yeah. but that uh, never worked out. But um, uh, at GM Place, uh, one of our first practices, uh, uh, Dr. Kreps for Latvia, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. He's an old man, uh, elderly man, I should say. Um, Ovechkin comes flying on the bench. Yeah. And like, they just get into this huge embrace and they're hugging and all this kind of stuff. And um, I'm going to back up another second. Everybody in Latvia, their first and last name has an S on the end of it. So they all call me Ken's. It's, I don't, I never, I never asked why, but Ken's. so, but yeah. everyone's name has an S. Okay. Martins, Caspers, all kind of stuff. So anyway, after their embrace, I'm just sitting there going, holy smokes, that's Ovechkin. And man, is he, I knew he was big, but man, he's bigger than I thought. But anyway, the doctor turns around and goes, Alex, meet Ken's. And, <laughs> and Alex sticks his hand out to me to shake my hand. I'm like, ah, oh, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's but, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the There's so many celebrities, so many all-stars there. You just get to run into anyone. Is yeah. it, is it true that there's a McDonald's on the Olympic, uh, what do you call it? Campus? Yes. It's free? Yeah. So so the food court had a McDonald's in it. For free? For free. Yeah. Get... So they also had um, <laughs> all over. So McDonald's is a sponsor, obviously. Yeah. Coca-Cola is a sponsor, too. And um, uh, on, like, the, I should have brought it in, but the lanyard, like, that said where you can go and all kind of stuff. Yeah. There was, like, a little Coca-Cola tag. And you could walk up anywhere in the rink, Athletes Village, and you could just you know, swipe this Coca-Cola tag and you would get free Coca-Cola products out of the vending machine. But the coolest spot there was, uh, there was the Chill Lounge. And that's still there today. I don't know what it is, but Athletes Village turned into just housing. It's on False Creek, like it's right on the water. It's absolutely spectacular. Kind of reminds me of a mini, uh, sorry, King's Wharf reminds me of a mini Athletes Village. So King's Wharf yeah. in Dartmouth. If you had... 30 more buildings. That's what it would I know exactly like. what you're talking about. There's nice little parks there. and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but they had this chill lounge. And yeah. It was this old barn, and they didn't serve alcohol, but anybody could bring in whatever they wanted. Okay. So you'd bring in, whether it was your bottle of vodka, two for a beer, yeah. and they'd give you the ice, they'd give you the mix, and they just had the, the DJ doing the wickety whack. No. And uh, the athletes would go there to chill out and, like, bearskin rugs and it was just, it was, it was just, it was designed for the athletes to take their mind off it. Yeah. And that, that was, that was way cooler than the free McDonald's. That's on, well, still, that's sick. That's <laughs> unreal. I've heard tons of stories coming out of uh, the Olympics. So to yeah. be able to experience it from behind the scenes rather than as a fan, well, you know, that's a, that's a lifetime experience. And the other thing, they always talk about the Olympic babies, all the athletes getting together. And yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. that in this chill lounge. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. The politics behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about, uh, is it too early in the podcast to bring up Leafs camp? No. Should I be asking something else? No. Uh, Leafs camp, um, again, uh, better luck than management. Um, I did some things with the Mooseheads, and when the Leafs came to town, they uh, they did the courtesy call to uh, Brian Urquhart at the Mooseheads. Okay, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. said, look, we're coming into town. Just want to let you know we're doing this. We might have an exhibition game. We may do this. Uh, so, sorry, the Leafs called Brian? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, at one point in time, the camp was going to be at the Scotiabank Center. And yeah. anyway, they just they just uh, courtesy called Brian. And at the end of the call, they just said, look, uh, we're going to need some help. Do you, do you know anybody local? And I did um, 
the uh, uh, Top Prospects game with them in the Canada Russia series. Like I helped out the Moosehead. So Brian just gave him my name. And, and, and if it wasn't, so Brian texted me and said, just want to let you know, you're going to get a call from a guy from the Leafs. And if it wasn't for the text from Brian, when uh, Reed called me from the Leafs, I would have said like, yeah, whatever. But uh, I wouldn't have believed him, right? Yeah, you would have hung up. Yeah, but at first, you know, they they uh, just wanted um, me to kind of hang out at the hotel and give suggestions for restaurants and things of that nature. And it just exploded. Like they brought the circus to town. They brought their NHL team, AHL team, East Coast team, uh, PTOs. Uh, they brought uh, 150 marketing and salespeople. Uh, they brought obviously all the training staff. So they brought they brought an army. And so my role went from uh, just helping out to um, uh, organized all security, transportation, meals, on-ice officials, timekeepers, um, et cetera, et cetera. I helped the marketing team out with a bunch of things. Um, so it was, it was really cool. Wow. So your job just started as a guy looking to help out and give suggestions. And then what did it turn into? Well, so Reed would call me. So Reed Mitchell, director of player development for the Leafs. He's still there now. Great guy. Uh, he just he'd call and say, oh, we need this. No, we need that. But what would this or that be? Like a shit like a... Uh, like you got to run up to Cleves and grab a shin pad for Matthews? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's more so... So they came down for a site visit and uh, they walked through. So at this point in time, um, they were between a couple different ranks, but we ended up going with... And I say we, it wasn't my decision. Ended up going with the BMO Center. Yeah. So then we had to find... Um, uh, there's, there's no um, workout facility there. So we had to find a CrossFit gym. And then we had to rent bikes for the... like. It'd be nothing, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of examples, but like the exercise bikes, for instance, like it'd be nothing for me to put $6,000 on my credit card to hold something for the Leafs and then them pay, pay me back. back. Yeah. And the unfortunate thing is they always gave me cash. I wanted to get a check so bad. Yeah, with the logo. With the logo. logo right? yeah, I don't yeah. care if it's two cents. That's all I wanted. And they kept on just peeling out the hundreds. That's <laughs> and amazing. And then I'd go to the bank, look like a drug dealer. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, did you ever get like in the dressing room at all, like during the camp and just like helping the boys out with anything like that? The coolest story is, um, so the first. Yeah, Mark, do you want to, sorry. The cool story is the first night, uh, they do their, their uh, physicals and their, uh, their media in Toronto. And yeah. they jump on a plane yeah. and they come to Halifax. Uh, so we uh, we had teams split up and we busted all their gear to the BMO center to set them up. Um, but they have this big dinner and introduction. So at this point in time, this is 2015, everybody's brand new. Shanahan might have started in February the year before. Yeah. But Lou Lamorello's new. Babcock's new. The entire coaching staff is new. Their media guy's new. Their strength and conditioning's new. Their team doctor's new. The whole new house. So um, that was the first year Matthews was there too. I'm pretty sure. No, no? He, was, he was 16. Okay, but you were there at 16 as well, weren't you? Yes, I was. Okay. Well, yeah. um, so we go and, and we're at the uh, the Marriott Harborfront. Have this great big buffet, great meal, and then they have like it's set up as theater seating to sit like 300. And so it starts off, and I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for this story or not, but whatever. Whatever. Um, so Shanahan gets up. And Shanahan, you know, podium, you know, official, we're kicking off camp. And Shanahan's like, you know, this BS has to stop. He didn't say BS. This BS has to stop. You know, there's no more excuses. We're moving forward. We got you the best team doctor. We got you the best GM. We got you the best everything. You're going to perform. No more excuses. I promised Lou I wasn't going to swear, but effing, 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 effing. <laughs> straighten up and fly right. So that was pretty neat. Wow. And then Lou gets up there. And Lou is... The entire organization is scared to death of Lou Lamorello. Okay. Everybody's scared. Like when they did their site visit, there was still um, an image of uh, Phil Kessel on BMO Center. And they're like, holy shit, you got to get that down before Lou sees it. Because he was traded at that point in time. Oh, right? really? And anyway, so Lou's a, Lou's a detail guy. 
Um, and Lou gets up there and he talks about making the proper choices and social media is evil and get off Tinder, Bumble. Yeah. Stay in the moment. You know, you can ruin yourself with one tweet and all kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Babcock gets up there and Babcock's like, all right, guys, you know, we're here. There's no excuses. We're going to do this. We're going to, you know, best power play this and goes on. And then they called me up. What? Well, cause I'm like, no offense, but why? Well, that's okay guys. So, um, if you want your deep sea charter fishing, come see me sign up. Uh, if you want to go golfing, <laughs> come see me sign up. Uh, you need a vehicle, you know, we're going to be at the front door. We can take you anywhere. 24 hours, no 24 hour access. Come see me. So wait, did you get up on the stage that man, they were all yeah, on? Yeah. So they're going to like make the right choices, do the right things. Okay, now here's Ken. He's going to make sure you guys have some fun. <laughs> well, in 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 and the the real part of the story is, you know, when Shanahan took over, he wanted to change the culture. He wanted to change everything, and he said training camp cannot be in oh. Toronto. Yeah, I get that. So you know, other teams go to Europe. Things like they they had a bunch of different cities on. Yeah. They on, went to Newfoundland last year, two years ago. Yeah, yeah and they yeah. The, uh, Niagara Falls, and they were supposed to go to PEI this summer. Or sorry, not not the season we're in right now, but the last season when covid kind of oh yeah would you have been there if uh potentially there was conversations but um uh anyway i I lost my train of thought oh yeah so shanahan wanted to change culture and then and then babcock is a big like obviously guys aren't out drinking but he wants guys out you know golfing getting together deep sea fishing uh enjoying a nice restaurant um, just taking in what the city has to offer and not just be stuck in their hotel room. So they really wanted a functional training camp. So I booked all kinds of, uh, uh golf times at, uh, Glen Arbor and Brunello and, and booked a bunch of, uh, deep sea charter, uh, fishing tours, which awesome. they all got gobbled up. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty neat. Um, and then the second year in 2016, when they came, it was the world cup. So they had eight players, not there. Babcock wasn't there. Andrew Brewer, their video coach, wasn't there. Uh, Brian Papineau, their equipment manager, wasn't there. So it was a much different feel. So I booked all the same charters and deep sea fishing. Yeah. And they're like, you know, junior guys and PTO guys. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, yeah. it, you know, it's going to cost you $200 by the time you rent your clubs and your cart. And so they, they, the NHLPA, they're not allowed to f- pay for this. They, the players have to pay on their own. Oh, do so they? So they, the NHLPA, they, they pay for their. They provide a breakfast, they provide a lunch, and then they give them a per diem to eat out in the evening. Mm. So, you know, I I remember, I don't even know who these kids are, like some <laughs> kid in the OHL, whatever. And he's like, yeah, I want to golf, I want to golf. And so I sign him up and I said, you know, just be prepared to pay when you get there. It's going to be, t- oh, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, they yeah, went, I'm not signed. They went, they went to movies. Like yeah. we drive them to yeah. Park Lane to go to movies, which, yeah. which is great. But yeah, year one and year two were totally, totally different vibe. Yeah. That's crazy seeing the behind the scenes aspect of it all. Yeah. Just seeing a guy who signed who's a millionaire and then a guy who's in the OHL who's just trying to get signed. It's like, yeah, eh, I'm gonna go to Subway for lunch. I'm gonna go to the bicycle thief. <laughs> you know, just seeing that different. Well, so so Leo Komarov, a uh, great guy. Yeah. So he wasn't there in sixteen because he's at the World Cup. The visor, right? Yeah. Leo, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh seasoned pro, lots of contracts. Um, the boat charters I rented to go fishing, like twenty three hundred bucks for twelve guys. And Anyway, he missed out. Like, there's only so many boats. He mm. missed out. He's like, get me another boat. Get me another boat. Well, I said, well, it's $2,300. And I meant, like, you know, you round up a posse and we'll get yeah. you a boat. He's like, yeah, I'll spend $2,300 to go fishing for you. I'm like, not per guy, per boat. <laughs> like, you know, some of the money was. It's just nothing. 2300 bucks is a suit for these guys. Not yeah. even. Yeah. But anyway, they're all they're all really nice and really polite. And, you know, it was, it was cool. That's unreal. That's a great story. Yeah. The Leafs camp. Um <laughs> 
I want to bring up winning national championships. I know we talked about it at the very beginning, but I love talking about a group of guys that come together and, uh, and win something. Yeah. Um, being around that, being close to the environment, what's the one thing that you took away from essentially a group of winners? Winners are prepared. Okay. You know, you um, focus on task at hand. Like when, uh, when the Bears, when we go to a national championship with the Bears, they always say it's a business trip. And, um, you know, uh, they're student athletes and student comes before athletes. So when they're not on the ice or doing video, they're studying, you know, it, it's purely a business trip. And, you know, what's the old, uh, the old football coach act like you've been there before. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. It's a rare, like, you know, we'll, we'll get guys on here with the podcast that, that, that win something and it's. The, the common trait is, I remember when we said it with Nate's here, we say it with a lot of guys. It's just a group, a good group of people within the room that know their role. No one's ever said a group of guys that's prepared, but I like that answer. Good group of people that are prepared, but that also know their role. And that's a rare thing in today's world, especially with a young group of people where I don't know, the ego comes into play, where a lot of guys think they're the man and maybe you're on that third, fourth line role, but those guys that are able to settle into their role and help the team win, it's a beautiful thing. Well, that's always, uh, going back to the Sackville Blazers, we always had depth. Uh, Dwight was a master of signing guys to junior C cards. So we'd, like, we'd have practices in February. It looked like triads. We'd have like you know 30 guys out there. Yeah. But it was always always to save us uh, when a guy got injured, when a guy's girlfriend broke up with him and he didn't want to play or whatever yeah. the scenario was. Like yeah. We just had that depth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like again, everything, everything I learned, you could trace back to the Sackville Blazers. Talk about your uh, minor hockey experience there. Uh, well, um, coached, uh, Peewee Rec for my nephew's team, coached oh, Bantam Double for my nephew's team, coached Midget Minor with, uh, with Dave Marsden. Do you know that name? I know. And Matt Graham. Dave, yeah. So uh, he might've coached me. Yeah. Dave. Uh, was, he, was he a junior B coach for the Ducks? Uh, the Ducks. And yeah. Then, and then Port Hawkesbury. Yeah. So, so Dave Marsden, uh, still holds a record for the most penalty minutes in one stoppage of play in a Maritime Junior A game. Get the How many minutes? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But so I don't know if, how well you know Dave, but Dave used to be a very, very large man. Now he's slimmed down. He's, oh, he's, has he? He's yeah, a yeah, new yeah. guy, but we'd travel on the road and uh, he'd always want to stop at Wendy's. And he'd go, I don't blame him. But he'd go, I want the combo 11. <laughs> and you, know, you hear the pause. Uh, Sir, it doesn't go up to 11. It's a five and a six. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, you're killing me in the mic. That's <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, God. That, I know, Dave, yeah. I remember there was a funny story. I had a buddy. He was a goalie for Junior B, and Dave was his coach, I'm pretty sure. And he said there was a couple funny stories coming out of that just dressing room. Just, I remember he told me a story about he recruited a guy from, it might have been the Blazers. I'm not going to say his name. And he used to fight everyone. And then Tommy said, when this guy walked in the room, remember the scene of a semi-pro where Monix comes in and everyone hates him? <laughs> yeah. It was just like that. Like he walked in and Dave goes, a lot of you guys have probably fought this guy or been slashed by him, but I think he's going to, you know, add a real, you know, depth to his team. And then he walks in the room and it just goes dead silent. And Dave's <laughs> like, here's a <the> guy. <laughs> There's some funny stories coming out of there. Junior B's, is, uh, it's a special league. Is there's something about Junior B? I got a lot of buddies that play Junior B, and there, there's something about it that's just special because it's that mix of you can have fun, but there's also that mix of you have the ability to win with a good group of players. I find in Junior A there's a little bit more politics, and you don't really get to choose where you get to go. But I feel Junior B there's a little bit of an aspect of if you have a couple buddies on the team, you can get traded there. I don't know. I, I've I've always admired that league for that reason. It's more of a family rather than a business. 
And you can get a decent education as well, too, right? So you traditionally have two games of practice, some weeks, three. Playoffs was always hard, yeah. so it would always fall right around midterms. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like if you're playing junior A and you're taking a full course load, you're a special person. Uh, junior B, you can get away with full course load and, you know... Um, so it's, we had guys that certainly could have played junior A, no problem. Uh, but you yeah. know, had, had other thoughts. They weren't chasing the dream. Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy, we were out in the East Hans game this year and Connor Hurdle was telling me there's a guy who played in like the OHL a couple years ago and just goes to Dal now cause he wants to take education series and he's on the team and he's just unreal. So there's definitely some things that you can fall into or some players that can fall onto a team. It makes it interesting. Well, we never did our team photo until uh, the last <laughs> February because we're the trickle-down league, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So the Q, whatever their trade deadline is, December 31st, then Junior A, January 15th. Um, so we would have guys uh, based on their age. So, you know, obviously playing in the CHL as a 16-year-old, you know, they're they're building for your future. Yeah. All of a sudden you send them down to the Maritime Junior A League. That's not a 16-year-old league or 17-year-old league, right? Yeah. So we would have guys that would flush right through Junior A yep. and come to us that would be absolute rock stars. Yeah. Um, but just Junior A was basically a 19-year-old league and yeah. um, real, real tough for them to fit in. And there's also one year too, which was real fun, uh, Junior A, and I can't remember what, the years all jumble up to me, <laughs> but uh, Junior A really wanted to do away with fighting. And so they only allowed one fight and you're gone. Well, we yeah. still had two fights. Yeah. All of a sudden- we were a tough, tough league. We were way tougher than Junior A. Absolutely, and agreed. Um, there were some, there were some crazy nights, crazy nights. Yeah, well, in the Sackville Arena, love that barn. Yeah. Or Junior A, we had a game there. We play. I, I used to play it with the Sportsplex, but for some, we had like a community night, and it with was in Sackville with the Marauders. Yeah, I know. I know the story of why that happened. I can't remember the names, but uh, uh, one of the um, there was a coup to try to get the team to move from the Sportsplex to. Uh, that would have been the fans. There were probably like two thousand people in there. Yeah, maybe a thousand. Well, they get a lot for high school hockey and do they? Too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a great, great. Uh, I don't remember. Anyways, I, I bring up the story because in junior A you don't have uh, pregame skates, like you don't have an afternoon skate. But yeah. there was no one on the ice at noon there, and uh, it was my first time ever. I think I was a twenty-year-old actually, and it was the first time I ever had like a pregame skate, and I kind of felt like a pro. It was, uh, it was nice. And then when we get to the rink, you know, there's a thousand people there. It's a smaller barn, so it feels like there's ten thousand in there. Yeah. It was just uh, one of my cooler experiences playing junior A hockey in in, uh, in the Sackville Arena. It's a lot of fun. Good community. Yeah, for sure. A lot of fun. Um, how did you get involved with? Uh, are we allowed to talk about the other side of your life, the the business? Yeah, how did you how did you get involved in uh, in the beverage business and sales? Well, um. Uh, been in the beer industry my entire life. Yeah. Uh, so I started off in the cold beer store uh, in university and uh, oh, left yeah. and, and worked for Molson for one year for a crime I didn't commit. And then... Uh, and whoa, 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 whoa. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a Cape Breton joke. Um, uh, no, I uh, uh, worked in the, the drive through at the cold beer store. I absolutely loved my experience and wanted to get into sales and wanted a little something more. Okay. At that point in time, there wasn't something at Moosehead. So yeah. I jumped over, worked for Molson for a year. And then a position opened up at Moosehead, and I came back. Nice. And uh, this April will be 25 years in the beer business. Wow, congratulations. Uh, uh, well, thanks. On a full-time basis, plus uh, a couple of years in the cold beer store, a year with Molson, a year as a summer sales guy with Moosehead. So my entire adult life, I've been in the beer business. Yeah. Um, absolutely love it. I mean, uh, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd beer beer or hockey, I'd take either one. Goes so, hand in hand. So uh, beer beer pays my bills, and hockey is my passion. <laughs> that's, that's good. It's good to have both. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember uh, this past holiday, I was in the Moosehead lineup in the car. I love that drive-through. Yeah. It's a staple in the city. Yeah. You know, the, okay, NSLC's closer. Right, I'm going to drive over to Dartmouth, and I don't mind sitting in the car on the on the because you have to sit technically on the road. Yeah. 
and the whole right lane is just filled up. But I sit there, I, I chuck a podcast. What? Oh, yeah, that can we can get a little bit dangerous when the cars are just there because I've seen that at the Dairy Queen on Main Street. You know, careful not to rear in the other cars. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yeah. He, everyone has their four ways on. You just got to sit there, you listen to a podcast, and you pick up uh, an emergency case, and I love it. Yeah, especially it's during a, COVID, where a lot of people don't want that interaction. Like they don't want to be walking around a store. Uh, yeah, the guy just chucks in your it. Car. Yeah, so that's a guy who deserves. That's a guy who I always thought deserved a big tip. <laughs> Like that, because like, you don't usually tip at the liquor store, but yeah. you know if you're picking up a, a case and a guy's chucking it in your trunk and he's just outside in the cold, yeah, I'm gonna give that guy a twenty percent tip. You know why not? Yeah, nice. And it's really convenient. I used to landscape at that property actually. Oh yeah. When I was younger, I used to mow that lawn. Okay. It was one of our last stops of the day because they got that big hill down at the very end, not the hill, but the by the duck pond. By the duck pond, yeah. yeah. And I remember one day I got in trouble because it was all wet. <laughs> and I took the, I took the, not the walk on, like the, the drive on down there and I got it stuck and I'm chucking it in reverse. The mud's just going. <laughs> I got in trouble a couple of times on that machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, uh, excuse me. I wanted to know if you had, um, uh, equipment story. I love equipment. I love, uh, the behind the scenes aspect of a panicked equipment story. If you know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean. And, uh, anybody who knows me, plays hockey with me, that's watching this is going to laugh because I have. Uh, literally about 10 different like between shells and gloves and, and screws I, I match all the time and anyway they all make fun of me I, I look a lot better than I play um, but anyway every every team I'm involved with I usually try to get a piece of gear so I've got a uh, in the uh, 2010 Olympics Easton was the official gloves player and helmets player oh nice so uh, I've got uh, custom uh, so they gave it all the players but on the cuff instead of saying Easton they say Latvia they got the Latvian flag on the thumb <laughs> Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a, a gearaholic. Um, so, uh, stories that kind of, uh, I, I think I'm pretty well versed in my gear. Like yeah. I, I know what's going on, yeah. but one of the things that bit me in the bum was during the 2008 world hockey championships, I never knew about, uh, thicker steel. So one of the Lafayette players broke his blade and I just ramped cleaves. You know, I thought it'd be a 288 centimeter pop in, like I can do that myself. Yeah. Um, but you know, traditional blades, This his were like this. So they're custom ordered. What the? Yeah. Well, and he was 6'4". He was a fighter for the Kings. 6'4", he needed, he needed that big of a blade. Yeah, just, <laughs> whatever <laughs> advantage you can get to keep you in the league, man. But uh, anyway, the good thing was I ran up to Cleves, put the other blade in, was going sharp, and I'm like, well, shit, this one's the toughest. So the good thing was uh, the LA Kings trainer was actually working for Team Canada. Okay, wow. And he had an extra steal. So I was able to snipe, you know, get it off him. Um, but yeah, I thought it would have been a pretty easy fix. So, you know, there's always something you never think of that comes up. And the, the big thing with, um, the gear, I mean, the guys are pretty well versed in all their gear. They, you know, everything they have is not something you buy off the shelf at Cleves, but the thing that they get all funny about is their underwear. So, you know, um, whether you won it at a Pee Wee AAA tournament and you wore it all through midget and that's your lucky shirt or, you know, they got it at last year's world championship or whatever. And, and the big thing was. A couple times in different events, we've had laundry bags burn the Under Armour or whatever. What do you mean? Oh, in the dryer? Yeah. Yeah. So it ruins it. And, you know, it's never just the standard issue that they got for the event. It's always that special story. Like, so that's always tough. So laundry loops, I'll never use a laundry bag again, but laundry loops. and um, Yeah. yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. And the the Under Armour gitch, you're right, it is a staple. You have that custom thing because some guys like it a little bit lower. Some guys like that, like it look maybe a little bit higher, almost like a neck guard. Like yeah. it is a custom thing that makes you play a little bit better. Yeah. I got two other gear stories too. So um, in, in uh, Vancouver, the uh, 
starting Laughing goaltender had a custom mask done. Nice. And uh, Pure Later, I believe, was the sponsor. Anyway, it got sent by Pure Later, and it got sent to Athletes Village. And Athletes Village, like I say, it was like 45 buildings. I spent every waking moment, if I wasn't doing something for the team, tracking this down, and I found it the day before their last practice. Where was it? I just kept on. It just, I don't know, it was in the box. I got a picture of it new in the box. I'm holding it over my head like it's the Stanley Cup. Like when I found that thing, you couldn't kick the smile off my face. But <laughs> anyway, it took literally about four days to track it down. And he wore it one practice and didn't like it. So, no, can't, can't, can't wear that. And the other one, um, um, in the IOC and in the IHF, uh, they're very particular about the size of logos. So whether the, yeah, I've heard you know, that. The power or whatever, something. So, um, Going in after that last practice, the gear police come and come down on our goaltender. And, and I mean, we all know stories about goaltenders. Goaltenders are a different breed. Very particular about their gear. And his logos were too big. And I just, I'm walking down the hall. He's outside, like almost in a fisticuffs with these two guys in suits saying like, F you, and very, <laughs> and very broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. F you. I wore these in last year's world championships. They were fine. And they're like, no, your logo's too big. Anyway, so the head coach comes out and goes, Ken, you just got to deal with these guys. <laughs> What'd you do? I, I think I probably bought them a beer. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> That's the Canadian way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I said, look, I understand. Like, we, we had to get the goalie cooled down. Like, he was rattled. Yeah. And again, it was a, after practice. We're going into our first game the next day. But uh, I, I think I went and took some measurements and we didn't change anything, but I think I think we told these guys we were going to, and yeah, they, that's they how just, you do it. They just went away. Yeah, I'm gonna fix. It. I've been through this story before. I'll fix it for you. And just <laughs> they walk away. Okay, thanks. Yeah. People just want to be heard. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, first of all? It's crazy that there's gear police. Yeah. Third, what's the third story? Uh, maybe I only had two. I had the skates, the helmet, and the pads. So that's it. Oh, was that three there? Yeah. Oh, I can't. Yeah. I'm not a numbers guy. No, <laughs> no worries. My bad. No, that's amazing. Well, yeah. how much time are we at, Mark? Holy smoke! See, I told you an hour would come like that. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Can I see the ring? Actually, I just wanted. Can you? We'll hold it up for the camera. I'm not gonna put it on. Don't deserve it. So, um, you know, my real role with uh, national championship. Showing that on one, Justin. Uh, whatever he is, I think two. Oh, two. Uh, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you can see it, kind of. So my real role with the team is kind of team host, but I'm also part time scout. Okay. So working the um, the order of hockey in Canada that yeah. was the event where Lemieux got uh, the trophy and it was 2016 the big gala in golf. Um, I ran security and transportation and it was pretty neat that um, well I shouldn't say neat there was a bunch of screw ups with the uh, flights coming into Halifax somebody's flight was delayed yeah so I had guys on my team running transportation that have been there all day waiting for flights that didn't come in so later in the evening being the guy that doesn't sleep I said you know I'll, I'll take the night shift don't worry about it and I got to pick up Sean Burke so Sean Burke uh, you know played with the Devils uh, runs uh, uh, ran the Spangler Cup team for okay yeah 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 so. Just me and him driving back, and he goes, wow, this Halifax is pretty nice. You know, my kid just finished his junior career. I uh, I think I might try to get him to play out here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. we got to get you to Alberta. Got to get you to <laughs> So, so scout, little I scout signed, there. I, I signed one player. <laughs> I signed one player. That's I love I, I love the, the business of hockey. 
Yeah. It's it's an interesting how you can just, you know, as long as you're a good guy, you're in a good city and you, you have a little two cents to put about something, you can get a guy wherever you want to go. Yeah, I thought I lost him driving across the bridge because he's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Halifax is nice. It is a great little town. Like, no, no, no. You want to stay in Edmonton. Oh, man. See, I wish, uh, I wish like the World Juniors would come back here or something like It's It's just such a great town for an international. Like when the when the when when they canceled the Women's Worlds this year, like that, it's such a bummer because it's such a great host city for an international tournament. It's going to take place this year. Uh, it's probably going to. I hope a, fans are coming though. That's I the don't thing. think it will. I think it's going to be in a bubble. Because um, like we get, be we sorry to interrupt you, but like we could sell out a, a Germany Czech game. Yeah. You know, like no problem. I don't know if you could do that anywhere else in the world. Well, it's funny as you say that. Um, I was looking up to try to get some notes for <laughs> in case there was dead air today, and uh, when I looked up uh, Latvia's only win in the uh, 20, uh, 2008 World Hockey Championships, you know, I looked up the score, but there was nine thousand people there. You know, um, and it was, it was, um, oh God, where are my notes? Who'd they beat? They beat, they, they beat someone to stay, uh, to not get relegated. Latvia uh, did? Yeah. And it, oh, that was so cool. We walked out of the rink. There were 400 Latvian fans. La- Latvian fans came to Halifax. Oh, in droves. No way. Yeah. There was a thousand, it was, it was very well documented that they, you know, Team Canada was obviously the, the go-to, yeah. but they were the second favorite team in Halifax. Get the fight, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we came out after winning, we came out the uh, Brunswick side doors, yeah. and there's all these Latvian flags and all the fans and high-fiving and stuff. But that's, that's awesome. Just because they didn't get relegated. That's wicked. <laughs> I heard some great stories coming out of it, that. It was Slovenia, sorry. It was Slovenia, they beat 4-1. Okay, okay. <laughs> there's, two, two powerhouses. When you say like 9,000 people were at the game, I, I heard some funny stories about that tournament, how the, the ticket guys, you know, Halifax, everyone knows everyone. There'd just be some games where, like, I, I'm not like shitting on the nine thousand, but they they just look another way and be like, "Oh, you're Dylan's cousin, yeah, go for it," and you just walk <laughs> in. Never happened at the Canada games, but like there were times where you know the the ushers, they're what are they called, the ticket people? The ushers, ushers. This is before the electronic thing. Yeah, so before the electronic things. To like mix with the paper because you yeah. said on the previous podcast, I think it was. Uh... Quake, how he yeah, Quake and his dad exactly, yeah, because he folded the tickets, so he couldn't tell. So, so they they had they had take this actually was for the Canada game. I'm pretty sure they had so Canada played like two games back to back one day, then the next day. But they had their tickets from uh, the day before. So essentially, when they went the day before, the guy didn't really rip it; they just folded it. But it said Canada versus, let's say, the first day they played Germany, but the second day they played in USA. So all they would do is kind of hand their ticket in and kind of cover. Germany, so it just looks like Canada versus, and they just kind of rushly quickly go through the guy. Yeah. But apparently, there was just a bunch of stuff during that tournament that people could have just snuck in and watched, which I love. Which is, I love the amateur ability about that. I don't know if that's a word, but so I don't know where we are for time, but I got a funny ticket story. Oh, go for it! All right, so out in Vancouver, uh, so all the Latvians wanted to do when they were on the ice yeah. was shop, 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 style people. Yeah. yeah. So um, because the Olympics took over. Uh, the GM place and call it Hockey One. They shut everything down. There's no box office. There was no place for for me to leave tickets for you or anything uh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not going to say his name. We're friends on Facebook. He still plays professional hockey in Latvia, but he is a real <laughs> ladies' man. <laughs> he basically combed the mall, and he went in and he found like the prettiest girls okay. and gave them tickets. Okay. C- promised them tickets. Didn't give them tickets because he didn't have them on him. So one of my duties one day was to go one, one time I'm meeting a very pretty girl in front of Tim Hortons and then a very pretty girl in front of Starbucks. What I didn't know in this mall, they were across from each other. 
So, <laughs> and, like, I'm not the one doing the bad thing yeah, here, right? Yeah, I'm just yeah. delivering the tickets. You're just the messenger. But, but I'm like, oh, no, I think you got, you know, you got found out here. Jesus. So. They're all yelling at you. Like, hey, I don't know. I didn't call you until you yeah, come here. Exactly. <laughs> this exactly. was in Vancouver or the World Championships? Vancouver. Vancouver. That's the Olympics, amazing. yeah. That's sick, man. Well, Ken, like, great stories. Well, thanks for having me on. I hope I didn't stink up your show. You didn't stink the show up, of course. We got some beers. We're going to be watching the Pittsburgh game tonight, so we'll be cracking those out. We're actually going to be doing like a live stream tonight for the first time. We're going to like test it out. So we'll be having these on the live stream. So that's good advertising. Nice. You're in sales, so you know all about that. <laughs> um, anything you want to say, family, friends? Last minute of the podcast is yours if you want to. Uh, just uh, again, I'm, I'm a guy that doesn't take himself very serious. I love every minute being around hockey and uh, everybody who kind of helped me get to uh, be a team host along the way. Thanks. Awesome. Well, Ken, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Justin. All right, everyone listening, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Today's Tuesday, start of the week. Enjoy, have fun, work hard, hockey's on. Enjoy life. We're out. Peace. (laughs)